This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. We're going to be talking about something that um, is beyond my realm of understanding. Uh, I, I'm one of these guys, as you know, who relies on people like Sarah to sort of make the machines that I need to use work well. I have a pretty good idea of how to handle a couple of software programs. But you ask me how any of these things work, how a computer works, I don't have a clue. Not a clue. I mean, I, I know there's a chip involved, but that's it. Uh, I, but there are people out there who are advancing this every single day, and you know how fast the technology moves. Well, there's some great Canadians working on this. And we're going to talk about a discovery in our country that could make... Um, quantum computing um, much more practical. It, it, it could make it something much more commonplace, I guess, or, or easier to do. A, it's a major advancement in quantum computing. First of all, what is quantum computing? That's where we're going to need to start. So we're going to chat with Daniel Higginbottom, who is a postdoctoral fellow at Simon Fraser University and one of the co-lead authors on this paper. Um, Daniel, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us. Good morning, Shay. Thank you so much for inviting me. Okay, so I'm really now, delighted to speak with you. You're going to have to walk me through a few of these things. Let's start. Quantum computing, this, this chip that you guys have developed, um, yeah. could potentially have a dramatic impact on quantum computing. Let's define what quantum computing is. Can you explain that? Yeah, absolutely. So quantum computing is this new branch of computing, and it takes advantage of quantum physics to perform some computations with speed and power, which are beyond even today's best supercomputers. So we'll be able to solve problems in chemistry, medicine, and materials design, which have been completely intractable until now. And that's because it's a fundamentally different breed of computing from everything that we use today, like IBM's football field-sized supercomputers and your desktop computer and your phone all work on the same principles. But this is a really different approach. How is it different? How is it? What's the difference? So all of our computers today operate on... Uh, units of information called bits, which can be a one or a zero. These are basically like a light switch. It's got two states, on or off, okay. or a coin, which you can flip, and it's going to be heads or tails. And we do our computations by processing uh, on these bits. And these bits are physical. They're encoded in uh, little electronic circuits. But there's a lot more potential within the realm of physics for different, times, different types of processes. And if you take advantage of the full properties of quantum mechanics, then you can work with quantum bits, which instead of being a coin that's just a head or a tails, can be in a state that's kind of in between. It can be a coin that's spinning on its edge, and it's not quite heads yet, and it's not quite tails yet. And if you manipulate those kind of systems, then you can write totally new types of algorithms. And uh, that's what makes this such a powerful new system with all of these exciting possibilities. Okay, I think I got an understanding here. All right, now, these chips. Uh, yeah. we, we always hear about chips in a computer. How do these chips work, and what, do, what does your chip do differently? So uh, what we've done in this recent result is we've isolated a new type of qubit in silicon. And we've demonstrated that we can print 150,000 of them onto a silicon chip, which is kind of like a commercial silicon chip that we use for computing. Okay. And then we demonstrated that we can control them and we can communicate with them using photons of light that are at a standard telecommunications wavelength. 
In fact, it's the same wavelength that we use for optical fibers and for data centers. This is kind of a different approach to a lot of quantum computing research. Uh, it's really, this demonstration uh, really sets the stage for a new entrant in the quantum computing race. And what's exciting about it to us is that it's one with commercial prospects. And that's because silicon and telecom, uh, these are the backbones of our commercial computing infrastructure today. So if you can make a quantum computer with these features, then you can leverage those capabilities and you can scale up to commercial quantum technologies without having to reinvent the wheel. So silicon microelectronics is what makes all modern computing possible. It's the reason you can carry so much processing power in your pocket. And if you can build a quantum computer that doesn't need totally different foundries and you can use existing communication infrastructure, then you can leverage these technologies that we've spent 40 years optimizing and we can benefit from that expertise and capability and basically put a useful device uh, into the world that's going to solve real problems much faster and much more easily. Gotcha. Okay, so it's going to come along quicker. It advances faster. Gotcha. Okay, you talked about advances in medicine and some other fields. Like, what what do you foresee this changing and bringing forward more quickly? So, big ones that we know about include chemistry and material design, uh, battery design, drug design. Uh, for a lot of these kinds of problems, what we do now in order to solve them is a little bit like guesswork. Uh, they're beyond the computational powers of the supercomputers that we have now. But a quantum computer can solve those problems natively. You don't need to make approximations and guesses. You don't need to try and solve simpler versions of the problem. You can solve the full problem itself. Uh, other applications include optimization problems in logistics and finance. A lot of the algorithms that quantum computers are known to speed up are really fundamental. They solve things like linear algebra that have really broad applications. So the spread of applications is wide. It's across a lot of fields. But uh, I want to stress that if the history of computing is any guide, then the applications that we know about now are just scratching the surface. When the transistor was being developed commercially, the application people had in mind wasn't computing. It was amplifiers, portable radios, and hearing aids. Uh, when personal computers were developed, people had no concept of how the internet would shape every aspect of sure. our lives. So the unknown applications, the ones that we find out about when we get quantum computers into the hands of grad students programming them around the world, are going to be even more exciting, I expect, than the ones we know about today. Interesting. Gotcha. Okay, now this discovery that was made uh, by you guys at Simon Fraser, it doesn't change quantum computing, right? It enhances what's already there and makes it, as you say, more accessible, right? Well, the state of the field right now is that there is a race to develop a physical system which can actually implement a useful quantum computer. So there are all kinds of different uh, approaches that people are taking, and these are completely different physical systems. Like some quantum computers are microelectronic circuits which are cooled down to just a hair above absolute zero, the coldest that anything can possibly be. Some of them are atoms, uh, individual atoms which are held in electromagnetic traps and controlled with lasers. Uh, there are all of these different approaches that people are taking. And although we know theoretically what we want a quantum computer to do, yeah. designing, engineering a physical system that can achieve those capabilities is really hard. So there are maybe a dozen different candidate platforms at the moment, uh, and they're in a race to see what's going to uh, demonstrate these capabilities fastest and actually get 
deployable devices that can solve real-world problems. So this breakthrough of ours, uh, what we've demonstrated is a new approach. And as I mentioned, it's one that we think has really exciting commercial prospects. So it's yeah. a new entrant in that race, uh, a new way to solve this kind of problem. And time will tell which of these competing techniques is ultimately going to be uh, dominant and is going to um, take over and contribute to this quantum computing revolution. So where do you go from here with this discovery? And you mentioned time. What kind of timelines are you looking at and what's the next step? Well, the is that we've demonstrated that we can print uh, 150,000 of these uh, systems onto a chip uh, and that we can control them optically. The next thing you need to do is to demonstrate that you can network them together in order to make your quantum computer. You need to be able to make your systems uh, talk to each other uh, and then build up to scale. So the research really straightforward direction from here. Lots of great questions to answer that's going to keep us busy for a little while to come. Uh, in terms of the timescale for quantum computing to make a difference in the world, you know, when are you going to be able to walk into a pharmacy and see drugs that were designed uh, using a quantum computer yeah. optimization process? Uh, it's so hard to say. The timescale could be anywhere from five, ten years. Uh, it's going to depend on breakthroughs which are hard to predict. But there are incredible teams around the world working on this problem from a lot of different directions. So I wouldn't bet against human ingenuity to uh, bring these things on a little faster than people expect. Um, Daniel, I got a bunch of people texting me and, and saying very scary things, talking about security and how con uh, quantum computing basically does away with security because it's so powerful and artificial intelligence and who knows what can happen. I mean, are those sorts right. of theoretical things being talked about? Well, so... As I mentioned before, there are particular um, fundamental things that a quantum computer can do that have broad applications. One of those is that a quantum computer that's sufficiently big will be able to factor large numbers. Yeah. And that's actually a problem which underlies the most common type of encryption on the Internet today. Uh, so like any advance in computing, if you have a sufficiently big quantum computer, that's going to require new encryption methods gotcha, to okay. keep pace. Uh, encryption has always had to advance to keep pace with computing power. You know, We don't use the same encryption standards we did 30 years ago. Uh, the good news is that there are already a few different encryption algorithms that are believed to be quantum computer proof. So those are being standardized and introduced. And what's even more exciting than that is that quantum encryption over a quantum internet can be made secure by the laws of physics so that no computer of any kind or any size can intercept your communications. That sort of frees you from this adversarial cycle where your uh, encryption methods have to keep pace with your computational capability. Once you build a quantum internet, uh, then you're guaranteed secure communications by the laws of physics, and you don't have to worry about what any kind of adversarial eavesdropper, uh, what computational power they might have. Gotcha. And the particular technology that we're developing uh, is fantastic because it combines the memory that you need for a quantum computer with the networking that you need for a quantum internet in the same physical system. So we think that this could be the backbone of that kind of guaranteed secure communication network. Makes perfect sense. Daniel, thank you for making it make sense. I really appreciate your time. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's Daniel Higginbottom, who is uh, a postdoctoral fellow at Simon Fraser University and one of the co-lead authors on this paper.